Welcome to the Girl, Get Your Voice Back podcast, a podcast all about helping women to overcome condemnation and silence shame by standing on the promises of God and coupling faith with action. Four times a month, I deliver the truth that many don't want to hear, but if you heed to what I'm saying, you're bound to be set free and walk boldly in your assignment. I'm your host, Ebony D. James, and I aim to amplify women's voices and help them to walk into their God-given mandate fearlessly and strategically. Hey y'all, today we're talking about trusting God. I'm going to give you 14 keys to trusting in God. But before I get into the keys, I want to talk about some definitions. And of course, y'all know how we start over here on the Girl Get Your Voice Back podcast. We got to come with an anchor scripture, right? And today's anchor scripture is going to be an anchor scripture that we all know, we've all heard a million times. We probably know this by the back of our hand. And it's coming from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's the anchor scripture. That's what we're standing on. When we're talking about trusting in God, it's telling us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And what do we not do? We do not lean on our own understanding. What should we do? We should acknowledge him in all our ways. And then what is the the promise that we're giving? Like, it's a conditional promise, right? If we do these things, it says, and he shall. It's a promise. When he says he shall, he's going to do it. He's going to direct our paths. And so... Let's break some of these words down because I think it's very important that we know the meanings and definitions of these words because they're literally going to help us go to the next level. It helps us um, get language to prayer. It gives us the, um, the, the, the words that we need to combat certain things. So let's break this scripture down and then we'll move into um, some definitions. And so let's first talk about trust like what does it even mean to trust in the lord right and so when you look up the definitions for trust you'll see definitions like a firm belief belief in the reliability in the truth in the ability or strength of someone or something now that's key because sometimes you think you can only trust in a person or a man or a woman or like Sometimes you only think you can trust in a person, but that's not true. You can also trust in things. Another definition for trust is to um, accept the truth of a statement, this is key, without evidence and without investigation. Now, when I start pulling in the scriptures, y'all going to see how this go hand in hand. Another definition of trust is the state of being responsible for someone or something. Right? So if I say I trust you in my life, I trust and I have my trust in you that you're going to keep me safe, that you're going to protect me. That's another thing that we need to keep on the top of our mind because when we start getting into the scripture, we're going to see how all of this connects. Other definitions for trust is one in which confidence is placed, assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. We see these words constantly repeating. And then the last one I'll say is dependent on something future or contingent. Um, another word for that specific definition is hope, right? So when we think of trust, we think of these words like truth, reliance, confidence, dependence, 
right? Synonyms for trust is to count on, to rely on, to depend on, to look to, to assume, to hope, to expect, presume, or suppose. Now, if you're in the life group, we just talked about um, a message based on this same anchor scripture. And it's, the message was called, Respectfully Speaking, What Did You Expect? Respectfully speaking, and we were talking about this scripture and how when I say, what did you expect? It's not a condemning question. It's more so like, what did you trust in? What did you put your confidence in? Right? Did you even have an expectation in them? So in what or in whom was that expectation? Was it in yourself? Was it in somebody? Was it in a thing? Was it in money? Right? And so we're talking about trusting in God. And so it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means to rely on the Lord with everything, to, to depend on him, to look to him in all circumstances, to put your confidence and your expectation in him. And then it says, and lean not on your own understanding. See, first of all, let me, let me just say this, because a lot of times, like people will look at this podcast title and say, oh, keys to trusting in God. Oh, I already trust God. I don't need to listen to that. I commend you for saying because a lot of times we think or we say, oh yeah, I trust in God. I believe I trust in God. But it's not until the heat turns up, hear me clearly, it's not until the heat turns up, it's not until we start getting tested when the trials and tribulations start coming. Like, yeah, we thought we really did trust in God. We thought we really did depend on him. We thought we really did look to him. But then when all of these things start happening in our life, our faith start wavering. Hear, hear, hear the words that I'm saying. They're all going to tie in. Our faith started wavering. Our confidence in God started wavering. And then it literally is an opportunity for us to look at our heart. I'm going to say this really quickly and I'll move on. I was reading this morning in um, the book of 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, and Isaiah. And if y'all have read those scriptures, y'all know that, like, some, the scriptures are being repeated over and over. These stories are being repeated in 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, and Isaiah, right? And so, specifically, I was in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, and um, specifically for verse 31, it says, However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew from him, and it's talking about Hezekiah, in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart, right? So God literally withdrew himself from Hezekiah. Why? In order to test him so that he could know what was all in his heart. Because what we know is when the heat started rising, when the testing comes, how we really feel about something our, our motives, our heart, it literally starts showing, right? We start complaining more. We start, you know, upset and angry. We literally start exposing ourselves through the test. So I just thought that was so cool that I was reading that and I had already prepared for this the other day. And so, yes, make sure you go and read Second Chronicles 32 because it's literally talking about how God had just healed Hezekiah and extended his life. And then it talks about how Hezekiah's pride and ingratitude literally brought him to this moment 
where he literally started, you know, being proud and overly confident. And he's like showing everybody all of his riches and all of the things that he owned. And it was because God was testing him so that he could see his heart. And so lean not on your own understanding, right? And so what does it mean to understand? When we're talking about leaning on our own understanding, it's saying like, listen, don't look to your own comprehension, your own perceptions, your own viewpoints. Don't think about what you know, right? Oh, this is based on my knowledge, based on what I see, based on what I know. This is how I'm going to form my opinion or make my next decision or my next move. It says, no, 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 no. Don't look into your own insight or your own mastery or skill. These are all synonyms for understanding. It's like, don't look to your own mastery, your own skill set, your own abilities and strength, right? It says, no, 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 lean not on those things, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And what does it mean to acknowledge, right? And I'm giving you all these definitions because like I said before, sometimes we like, oh, I know what this means. I can put this in a sentence and how we grew up, the reason, the way we knew, if we knew what it mean, if we could put it in a sentence, or we can recall the definition on a multiple choice question um, test. And so it says acknowledge him. When we're acknowledging God, when we're acknowledging the Lord, we're literally admitting that he exists. We're accepting him. We're acknowledging him. We're literally recognizing his hand. We're aware of him. Okay. Other synonyms is like we respect him. We bow to him. These are like, these are the things we recognize that he is here. We realize him. We allow his voice, his, his, his word to be. Do you really acknowledge him? And it says, and he shall direct, he shall guide, he shall straighten our paths, our journey, our footsteps. It says he shall establish our steps. And so, this is the anchor scriptures. And so, like I said, I'm going to give you quite a few definitions because all of these words you will find in the Bible as you start to study what does it mean to trust in the Lord. You will see all of these words like trust, expect, hope, confidence, faith. All of these words will go hand in hand. And um, when we really know the definitions, we can really understand how can we really trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge him in all our ways and allow him to direct our paths. And so the first definition, and make sure you all are taking notes, and I will also create a PDF version of this document or ebook to give you access to this as well later on, and I'll share more about that on my Instagram account in the future. And so I gave you the definition of synonyms for expect, but then we, um, for trust, and then we have this word expect. And to expect, and please take, like, hear these words clearly, y'all. It's so good. Expect means to regard something as likely to happen or to regard someone as likely to do something. When we're talking about expectations and we get into, like, unspoken expectations or unrealistic expectations, Usually we are put to shame, we are disappointed, we become offended, we become, like we start putting up these walls like, okay, well I'm just gonna, we become self-dependent, I'm just gonna do this myself because, well, how did we grow up? Oh, if I want something done, do it myself. That's what we were once taught. You want something done, do it yourself. And so it per perpetuates this cycle of 
self-dependence, self-reliance, self-sufficiency, self-confidence. And it's really ungodly. But it's because we have an expectation and we're thinking that this expectation is 100% factual. Like, no, no, no. Because I expect you to do something, you should do that. A lot of us was trained up in that era of thinking. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Because I told you or I expect you to wash them dishes, when I get home from work, them dishes better be washed. That trash better be taken out, right? That's how we were taught. And it says, no, when you expect something, you regard something as likely to happen. Not that it's gonna happen. <laughs> Help me. It says, no, you regard someone as likely to do something. So when you get home from work and you see them dishes still in the sink or that garbage still in the trash can in the kitchen, now you're mad, you're upset, you're disappointed because you had an expectation, whether it was unspoken or unrealistic, that someone was supposed to do something or something was supposed to happen and it did not. And synonyms for expect is to think, to wait, to hope, or to predict. It's a likelihood. It's not 100% that going to happen. And so, like I said, one of the synonyms for expect is hope. And what does it mean to hope? Hope is a feeling, y'all. Hear these, these definitions. A feeling or expectation that's expecting in. A feeling or expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. You want something to be the case. When you hopeful, when you're hoping for something to happen, man, I want this to be the case. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the case. You just hope that it is. It's that same word as, as expect. It's a likelihood. And synonyms is to anticipate. To assume that it'll happen. You believe that it's going to happen. You're counting on this thing to happen. To expect, to wish, to await, to desire, to rely on. These are synonyms for hope. And then we have this word confidence. When we put our expectation or our trust in someone or something, we're putting our confidence in that person or that thing. And confidence means the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. It's feeling, another feeling, another belief. These are still not facts, but you're putting your confidence in this person or in this thing. It's a firm trust. That's the first word, trust. We're talking about keys to trusting in the Lord. And so another definition for confidence is the state of feeling certain about the truth of something or a relationship of trust and intimacy or a reliance on another's discretion. So if I go and tell my homegirl a secret, right, I'm relying on her discretion that I'm putting my confidence in her that I can tell her this secret in confidence and she's not gonna go and tell somebody else. I just put my trust in her. I just put my confidence in her. I expect that she won't go and tell somebody else. I hope that she won't go and tell somebody else the secret that I told her in confidence. And here's in the names for confidence, assurance, certainty, courage, boldness. Like I'm not, listen, I'm coming to you, I'm all vulnerable, but I'm bold in my confidence. Cause I'm like, this is my homie. Why was she, you know? And so here we have the word confidence. But then the last one I'll hit on and we'll get into like some word and all of that is faith. And what is faith? It's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. These are, these are definitions. 
definitions from like Webster and Google and all of these by the um, dictionary.com. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. The strong, a strong belief in God. Allegiance or duty. Allegiance to duty or a person, right? That's what we're talking about. I pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. You're giving your allegiance or your trust or your confidence in a flag, okay, <laughs> of something. Or you can give your allegiance to a person. It's to have complete trust. And another definition for faith is without question. If we go back to the word trust, we saw a very similar definition. One of the definitions for trust, like I mentioned before, it was saying to accept the truth of a statement without evidence or investigation. And faith says without question. And then we know in the book of Hebrews, it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right. So faith is the things, the substance of things hoped for. There's hope again, the evidence of things not seen. So we go back to where it says without question, without evidence, and without investigation. This is this was the Bible's definition of what faith was. And so synonyms for faith is acceptance, belief, confidence, hope, loyalty, truth, allegiance, certainty, and dependence. And so all of these definitions are very important because when we begin to start going and digging into the scriptures, as I give you all the 14 keys to trusting in the Lord, you will see like all of these words are coming up, right? Or when you see one of the words in the scripture, you can replace that word with one of the others. And so why is it even important for us to be talking about this? Why should we even care that we should trust in God? You know, what? why do we care? Why is this important for us to trust in God? Because we say we do, and a lot of times we think you do, but then our actions don't align with our confession. So we're like, man, I trust in God. I do, I for real. <laughs> That's the homie, I do trust in him. But then, like I said before, when the heat started turning up, you realize like, mm, no, you really trusted in your bank account being full. You really trusted in that six-figure course. You really trusted in that person coming through like they said they would. You never really relied on God. You was relying on a person or something. And so the moment that he turns up, we begin to waver. When the heat turns up, we begin to look within or on what we can do. We talked about having our self-confidence, self-dependence, self-reliance, self-sufficiency. Right? When the heat turns up, we begin to look for others for support, for help, for provision. And then when the heat turns up, our reliance and our dependence shifts. So that's what we notice. When the turning up of the heat comes, that's when we begin to shift. That's when we begin to waver. That's when we begin to ride the fence. That's when we begin to compromise. And these things show a lack of trust. It shows a lack of faith. And so mention some of these throughout this talking for the first half but what do we put our trust and confidence in right some of our expectation is in our control of things oh everything has to go the way I say it oh everyone needs to do what I tell them to do and when it doesn't happen you're disappointed you mad you upset like you feel in some type of way it's like your trust and your confidence and your expectation was in the control of your surrounding like, if you don't have control, you don't know what to do. Or in your circumstances. Okay, if everything is going good, then I'm good. 
But when everything don't go the way I had thought they was supposed to go, when everything doesn't go the way I planned, you feel it some type of way. There you go wavering again. That's because you're trusting your confidence, your expectation was in that circumstance. It was never in God. It was in the circumstance. Let's talk about money. Man, you can tell when your trust is in money when you start seeing negative bank accounts and overdraft fees. When you start swiping your card and you hear the, the machine saying decline, insufficient funds, that's when you know your, your money got low. When you start acting brand new because you got a little bit of money in your account that you ain't never seen before. You have to keep striving to, to make six figures, to make five figures, to make seven figures. You in everybody's course, you in everybody's free workshop, you doing all of these things because you're like, man, if I can just get to this, if I can just meet this goal, cause your trust is in money. Why? That's why we have all these plans. Like, man, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna become an entrepreneur. I'm gonna hit these six figures. I'm gonna hit these seven figures, and then I'm gonna do this, and then I'm gonna do this. And, and so, all of your doing, all of the things God has showed you to do, is contingent upon, is dependent upon, is reliant upon money. You, you're not saying like, oh Lord. I'm going to do this with what I have because I trust that you're going to bring the provision, that you're going to release the resources, that you're going to send my destiny helpers. And I was like, mm, I'm going to do all that I need to do, all that I've been taught to do, all that I see other people doing. I'm relying on money. I'm relying on achievements. We put our trust and confidence in our achievements. We put our trust and our confidence in, in our careers, in our success, in man, in people, in pleasure. Come on, y'all. These are the things that are literally causing us to show a lack of trust. Because if all of those things are stripped away from us, what do we have? It literally said that God withdrew from him in order to test him so that he can see his own heart. So that the Lord could see Hezekiah's heart. He wanted to see. Let me, let, I'm going to show you what's in your heart when I start withdrawing from you. When I start taking stuff away from you. Right? I've, I've heard so many testimonies of people, even myself, being put in situations where it's like, oh, your job? Like, let me tell y'all, COVID was stripping away jobs left and right. I lost my job during COVID just this earlier this year. And it's like, what, what is your, was your confidence in your job? Did you, did you start getting shaky? Did your faith start wavering because your job let you go? That tells you that your, your trust and your confidence was never in God. It was always in your career. It was always in the stability of a check coming in. But when things started, when things started being withdrawn from you, when you start getting pulled out of things, or then, like I said, the money started going, your, your job lets you go, right? You ain't meeting the goals that you thought you were going to meet. You start realizing what's in your heart. What you was really dependent on. And so, let's get into the 14 keys to trusting in God. The first one is, you have to make a choice. And when I say first, I'm just telling y'all the order is I wrote these in. They're not in a particular order. These aren't steps where you got to do one to get to the other. They're not in any kind of ranking. I, I just listed them out as I was going through the scriptures, okay? And so, number one is, you have to make a choice. In the Bible, it's talking about a scripture where it says, listen, you can choose life or death, blessing or cursing. 
But I wish that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live. And so when I say you have to make a choice, let's talk about Jeremiah 17 verses 5 through 8. And it says, thus says the Lord, curse is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Verse 6 says, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. Like you don't even see when good comes because you are trusting in man. So when God do want to do something for you, you won't even be able to tell the difference. Like that's why when people come in your life, help me Lord. That's why when people come in our lives, we're like, huh, they just trying to use me. Oh, they just want me for my platform. Oh, they, you know what I'm saying? Like them folks don't want you for your platform. You pray for God to release your destiny helpers and he's releasing them. But because you're is in yourself because your confidence is in your platform because your confidence is in the things that God has given you and not him when he released certain resources when he released certain people when he released people who are supposed to be connected to you in your life because they have what you need to go to your next level instead of you being able to receive them it says curse is the one who trusts in man who trusts in his own strength who trusts in others who trusts in things right whose heart has departed from the lord for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes you can't even see you're there's literally a blinder on your eyes it says satan has literally blinded the eyes of unbelievers but shall inhabit the parched places, the dried up places, the dried out places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. But that, that, that's what happens when you trust in man. That's what, happen, that's what happens when you trust in things. But it says, listen, blessed, right? I told you, you got to make a choice. You can choose life, you can choose death, you can choose blessing, or you can choose curse. God was like, oh, choose life. Choose, this, choose these blessings. Like, I want you to do that. And here's what it says. It says in verse 7 of John 17, blessed of Jeremiah 17, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. There's that word trust. There's that word hope. It says, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when he comes here we go like i said when he comes we usually feeling anxious we like oh no what's gonna happen you start getting fearful and the bible says in verse 8 says blessed is the man who trusts in the lord and whose hope is the lord and then you keep skipping some lines it's gonna say and will not fear when the he come you won't fear when he comes because your trust is in the lord your hope is the lord it says, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, right? So when your money started looking funny, when things started getting low, you're not going to be anxious because you was never dependent on that in the first place. When famine started coming, when the world started shutting down, when things started looking crazy, we're not anxious, we're not fearful because our hope is the Lord, because our expectation is in him, because my, my trust is in him, my is in him so I don't have to worry I don't have to fear I, when all of this stuff come I can get COVID and I still not be fearful or anxious of death because my trust is in the Lord why 
yielding fruit. That's why the world can shut down and you see people still yielding fruit because their trust is in the Lord. It was never in them being able to go to their job. It was never in them being able to, to go out and do all of these things. It says you're going to still produce fruit. You're still going to yield fruit because your trust is in him. That's number one. Number one, you have to make a choice. Blessings or cursing. Life or death. It's totally up to you. Don't we love that about God? Like, you pro-choicers, you can make a choice. Do your thing. But he, he wants you to choose life. He wants you to choose blessing because there's consequences. Like, you're going to receive, and of course we know there's positive consequences and negative consequences, and you're going to receive a consequences, a consequence no matter which one you choose, blessing or cursing. There's a response based on your choice. So number two, lean not on your own understanding. And of course, we already talked about that in Proverbs chapter three, verse five. And then number three is acknowledge him in all your ways. And we talked about that also in the anchor scripture when we talked about Proverbs three, verse six. Number four, be willing to submit and obey his instruction and the Holy Spirit's guidance. Now, when we get into Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1, it says, Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord. This is the Lord's talking. He said, Woe to these rebellious kids who take counsel, but not of me, who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. She said, Listen, woe to. Woe to these rebellious children because they're taking counsel. But instead of them seeking me first, they're seeking, they seeking Google. They seeking Yahoo. I don't know who used Yahoo back in my day. It was AskJeeves.com, right? It says, so they're, they're seeking counsel. They're going to therapy first. They ain't even asking me if they should be going. They're relying on the medicine. They're depending on um, folks' Instagram reels to tell them what to do. They're depending on all of these other things. But they have not yet once sought my counsel. They have not once asked me what I think. They have not asked me what they should do. It says they're rebellious because they're going to other people. They're going to other things and not of me. And it says who devise plans but not of my spirit. So they're making plans. And you think you're doing good. You write out your to-do list, your checklist. You're doing your big three every day. You're doing everything you think you're supposed to be doing. Right? If, when we go back to um, the book of the Bible, um, I, let me find the scripture. Darius sent it to me earlier today. And he was just saying how one of the kings, let me see if I can pull it up. In 2 Chronicles chapter 25, 2, it says, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, not with a perfect heart. So we can be devising plans. We're like, oh yeah, God is a God of decency and in order. So you devising your plans, you're writing out your schedule. You're trying to make sure you're, you know, you in order, right? You, you making sure your house is in order. But it says, but not of my spirit. None of that matters. You can be thinking you're doing what's right in the sight of the Lord, but your heart not be perfect in that. Right? You haven't sought his spirit. You haven't sought him for the guidance. You haven't sought him 
to help you devise the plan. He wants to be a part of our planning, guys. It says that they may add sin to sin. And so y'all gonna have to get on the life group or the Bible studies to get this verse broken down, but it is so good. Isaiah 30 um, verse 1. Number 5 says, read his word so you can know him. Right? That's intimacy. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word is Jesus. So, if you want to know how to trust in the Lord, you can never trust in what you do not know. How? Who, who's going to do that? That's not even, that doesn't even make sense. Oh, oh I'm going to go up to this random person that I don't know, and I'm going to trust them with this secret. I'm going to trust them with, with the plans that God has given me. I'm going to trust all of these different people that I don't know. We don't do things like that. You can't trust in what you do not know. So if you never read his word, then how can you know him? John 15, 5 says, abide in him. You have to abide in him. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So you can keep making all of your plans. You can keep doing all of these things that you think is right in the sight of the Lord. But apart from him, without him, you can do nothing. You got to read your word. You got to know him. You got to get into intimate relationship with the father so you can trust in him. Then we see again in Psalm 91.1, right? We know in Psalm 91, that's, that's the prayer of blessing. And protection. It's the blessings of protection. And so it's, you have to dwell in a secret place. That's all under reading his word so you can know him. You abide in him. You know his word. You dwell in a secret place. It specifically says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High Elion shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What is your secret place? Do you have a secret place? Do you ever get into the secret place? Do you dwell there, right? To dwell somewhere is to live there. Like it literally becomes a lifestyle for you. No, my secret place is a lifestyle. Every day I got to get in. You have to dwell there. You have to live in the secret place. But a lot of times all it's the, the day to days of life distract us from getting in the secret place. But it says, it's he who dwells in the secret place of the most high. They shall, they shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And we know like that shadow, like if you just think in the natural, you're walking outside and you have a shadow. Somebody has to be pretty close to you to get in your shadow. They have to be like all up in your face, in your personal space. To, like when was the last time you got up in God's personal space? We got to read his word so we can know him. We got to get up in his personal space so we can know him. We got to get up all in his Kool-Aid so we can get to know him. Number six, once we get to know him, then we can decree and declare his word. Then we can stand on his promises. John 15 verse 7 says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, right? So we're going, this is how number five and number six go hand in hand. Number five, we talked about getting into his word, reading it so we can know him. How That's how we abide in him. And it says, okay, if you abide in me, if you do that, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Right? Then you can do 
decree and declare his word. You can give his word back to him. Right? In Isaiah 55, 11, we know the scripture says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. What does that say? That's saying that if you get into your word, if you're abiding in him and his words are abiding in you, then you can decree and declare things. You can ask for something and it shall be so because you're speaking and you're asking according to the word, according to the will of God. So when you go and decree and declare his word, when you go and pray for somebody according to the word of God, you can decree and declare somebody to be healed and they shall be healed because his word can return void. It shall accomplish what he pleases and it shall literally prosper in the thing that it was sent for. And then number seven, let's go ahead and lay them burdens down. Let's cast down our cares, right? Just lay them, just go ahead and throw them over at his feet like, oh, Lord, I trust in you. So I know in my mind, I keep, I keep seeing all of these things that I need to do today. All of these distractions keep coming. Lord, I keep seeing like all of the needs that I have that are going unmet. I have all of these expectations that are unfulfilled. And so all of this stuff is coming up and it's literally distracting you from abiding in him. It's literally a, distracting us from um, dwelling under the shadow of the most high, right? And so Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he shall sustain you, right? You don't cast your burdens just on anybody and everybody. You cast your burdens on people who you know. And in this instance, it, it says, no, cast, not even on people who you know. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he shall sustain you. So when you start going to, to other people, like, oh, let me tell you what's going on. What do you expect? Do you expect them to sustain you? Because now your expectation, your trust, and your confidence is in this person. They can't sustain you. I'm sorry. The Bible says you have to cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. It says he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. So when the heat turns up, you got to remember like, oh, the heat is turning up. It's getting hot up in here. But Lord, I'm going to cast this on you. I'm going to lay these burdens on you. And I trust God. Like this is what you're decreeing and declaring. That's why you got to know the word. Because like, no, Lord, I feel the heat turning up. I, I feel like I'm in the test right now. But Lord, I lay this down at your feet. I cast this burden on you. And your word promises me in Psalm 55 that you shall sustain me and you will never permit me, the righteous, to be moved. So, so, so do what your word says. You got to know the word so you can decree and declare the word. And so that you can actually be a hearer and a doer of the word of the word. He said he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Even when the heat turns up. Even if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You won't be moved. And then number eight, it says release, release yourself from the fear of man. Release yourself from the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare. Now, a lot of us are like, okay, a snare, what's that? If you Google an image of a snare, most of the time, it's, you will see this, um, a trap for an animal, 
And a lot of times you'll see that this trap literally puts an animal in bondage. It's literally a trap, right? Like a mouse trap. The fear of man brings a snare. So think of like a mouse trap or um or some other kind of a snare or Google it so you can like see the visual image of it. And it's literally gonna trap that animal. It's literally gonna bring that animal into bondage and under the subjection of whoever put the trap out there. If the fear of man brings a snare, it's a trap. Putting your putting fear, if you got fear of man, if you have an issue with fearing people's opinions about you, fearing what people gonna think and say about you, if you have an issue with, oh, I can't say this, how they gonna respond? If, listen, I've been there. It's a trap. It's gonna cause you delay. It's gonna literally begin to quench your fire. It's a trap. It's gonna cause you to be walking around timid and in bondage, right? And if you look at some of the pictures, and that's why y'all gotta look at, I'm not gonna share them with y'all. Like you will see that some of these snares will literally cause an animal to die. So these snares that the fear of man brings will literally lead you to death if you're not careful. But this is, I like the Bible because like sometimes you can just talk about these words it's like, dang, this person's so negative. But then the Bible will give you hope, right? It says the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. So there's a promise there. It's like, man, if you trust in the Lord, there's safety, right? Why? Because you abiding in him. There's safety. You shall be saved. Release yourself from the fear of man by trusting in the Lord and you're going to be safe. So how do you trust in the Lord? Number eight, by releasing yourself from the fear of man. Number nine, now that you've released yourself from the fear of man, now you must grow in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter two, verses one through five says, my son, if you receive my words, and treasure my commands within you. And these are literally, in this um, scripture here, these verses, is literally telling you what does it mean to grow in the fear of the Lord. It's literally showing you the steps and actions that you can do to grow in the fear of the Lord. It says, if you receive my words, treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then, right, it's an if-then statement. These are conditional statements. If you do all of these things, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, right? To grow in the fear of the Lord is to understand the fear of the Lord. But you got to do these things. You got to receive his words. You got to treasure his commands within you. You have to incline your ear to wisdom, right? You're seeking him for wise counsel. You're literally going to the, letting the Holy Spirit help you and guide your plans, right? You're applying your heart to understanding. You're literally crying out, no, Lord, give me discernment. Give me understanding of your word, right? You're seeking it out as if it's like, oh, treasure. I, I got to get in this word today. I got to get in this word. I don't even feel right when I don't get in it. You seeking it out like it's hidden treasure. Like you got to find the keys. It says then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So a key to trusting in the Lord, you got to grow in the fear of the Lord. 
Number 10, wait on the Lord. When you trust somebody, you will wait for them. Eagerly, eagerly and with expectation, wait on the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, concerning his word. He's not slack. It says that some count slackness, but it's long-suffering. He's patient toward us. Right? Not willing that any of us should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, if we're made in his image and we're literally on his journey to become more like him, and this word is telling us that he is not lack concerning his promise, and he is long-suffering towards us, don't you think that we should also be long-suffering toward him? So, if he's telling us, if he's already promised us, if he's promised you marriage, why are you trying to do it in your own strength? Why are you trying to go and do your own thing? Make it happen in your, in your timing, right? It says, no, eagerly and with expectation, wait on the Lord. That's how you know you trust him when you don't try to move before him, right? How many times in the Bible where um, the Lord sent a prophet or a man of God to tell someone to do something and... They were waiting for a moment, but then the heat started turning up, and they was like, well, let me just do this anyway. Let me just go ahead and do this anyway, and then immediately after, what God said came to pass. It's like, what, what you doing? Oh, well, I thought you wasn't coming. No, we have to wait on the Lord eagerly, because do you trust him for what he said? Like, do you really believe that God is going to do what he said he's going to do? If he said it, do you believe that he's going to do it? Not when you want it done, but he's going to do it. Because he said he's not a man that he should lie. It says he is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering toward us. Psalm 33, 20 says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Well, the shield represents our protection, our safety. So we have to wait on him. It says, my soul waits for the Lord. Right? What is your soul? Your mind, will, and your emotions. So, when I start getting impatient, my thoughts need to be like, nope, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm, I'm long-suffering. My will needs to be like, nope, I'm patient. My emotions shouldn't be dictating how I move. I'm long-suffering. I'm not impulsive. I'm long-suffering. And so, number 11, seek God first in everything. Let's make him a priority. Countless times and time again in the Bible, he's saying, early will I seek you. Early will I seek him, right? That's why we be having a problem when we try to do it. Oh, I'm just going to get, when I finally get time. You went your whole day without seeking him, and you trying to figure out why you stressed, why you overwhelmed, why your um, co-workers was getting on your nerves, why your child acting out at school. You trying to figure out all these things, like, why is my day going so horribly? You ain't seek him first. You know what I'm saying? You never made him a priority. You didn't give him rule, reign, and dominion over your day. You didn't invite him into your space. You didn't invite him into your co-worker um, relationship. You didn't invite him into these job meetings on Zoom. You didn't invite him into your space. You didn't welcome him. And so now you want to spend your whole day. You like, oh, I'm just going to do it at night. No, you see God first in everything. It says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Right? That's why when, in the other scripture that we were read earlier, it was like, man, they sought counsel but not of me. 
they devised plans but not of my spirit you were doing all of these things and then afterwards you wanted to go to God no seek God first make him a priority early in the morning seek him make time for him that's how you know if you trust in something because if you start your day you like, okay, okay, I gotta do all of this stuff now you're trusting in your, your schedule now you're trusting in your plans and then when things don't go your way, you're like, um, oh, oh, I'm just not having a good day. Nothing's going well for me. Right? And then we diligently seek him too. This is all under number 11. Seek God first in everything. Not only are we going to make him a priority by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but then we're going to diligently seek him according to Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Right? Without trust in the Lord, you can't please the Lord. Without your confidence being in the Lord, you can't please the Lord. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right? Here's that principle of reward, blessing again. So in Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. It's a reward. It's a blessing. And then in Hebrews 11, 6, it says, but without faith, it is, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we diligently seeking him, he's a rewarder. There's blessing as a result of our diligently seeking of the Lord. We have to put our trust in the Lord. And then number 12 is understand your emotions and your feelings shouldn't dictate your decisions listen your feelings and your emotions they're going to lead you to doing impulsive behaviors and what does it mean to be impulsive it means to act or to do something without forethought so another word for impulsive is spontaneous you just you just spontaneous and a lot of us be like oh i'm just so carefree i'm spontaneous who is your trust in is your trust in your Impulsive behaviors. Oh, another word for impulsive is emotional. All your decisions are emotional decisions. Reckless. So we're trying to figure out, man, what's going on? Like, you're reckless. Because you are led by your emotions and your feelings. Not y'all, but... It says your emotions and your feelings are going to lead you down the path to destruction. Right? They're going to lead to impulsive behaviors. They're going to lead you to reckless behaviors. They're going to lead you to hasty behaviors. They're going to lead you to thoughtless behaviors. Jeremiah 17, 9 says it's like this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So if y'all listening to the guru saying, man, follow your heart. Your favorite rapper got a song, so follow your heart. And you like, yeah, I'm just following my heart. Baby, don't do that. Because it's deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. And it's going to cause you to make decisions hastily, recklessly, spontaneously, emotionally, thoughtlessly. Don't do that. Number 13, and it's 14 keys to trusting in the Lord. So we're on number 13, and we're going to wrap it up after this. So 13 is strengthening. Your heart, no, strengthen your trust and faith muscles one day and one step at a time. 
right? We're not in a sprint. We're not in a sprint. So we have to day by day strengthen these muscles. We have to take steps of faith every single day. We have to literally, every single day you're, you're gonna be making sure, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking God first, okay. Oh, this, this care come up? Oh no, I'll lay that down, God. Okay, so you're literally, all of these keys, you're taking them day by day, step by step. Psalm 56 verse 3 says, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. So here you are, you seeing again where it says, Those who trust in the Lord shall be safe. When you fear man, it, it tells you, it's a telltale sign that your trust is not in God. But it says, whenever I'm afraid, I trust in you. So whenever God is sending you somewhere, he's sending you to go evangelize, and, and those butterflies start coming in your stomach, and you're like, you start sweating at the palms, it's like, no, Lord, I trust you. When he tells you to go to confess that sin to your accountability partner, so you can get back in right standing, and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. They're going to be fear man. Oh, nope. I don't fear man. I trust in you, Lord. So you're strengthening your trust in your faith muscles, right? When you start looking at your bank account too much, you're like, man, how am I going to pay these bills? Oh, nope. I don't, no, I don't fear none of that. I trust in you, Lord. I trust in you, Lord. So sometimes you might just have to start walking around declaring and decreeing over your day. No, I trust in you, Lord. My day started, Lord, I didn't spend time with you this morning, but I, I trust in you, Lord. I repent. I trust in you, Lord. <sighs> All of this stuff is going the wrong way. It's not how I planned it. Oh, Lord, I laid my own confidence in myself, my confidence in my achievements, my confidence in my plans. I laid it all down at your feet, God, and I put my trust in you. I put my confidence in you. I put my expectation in you. And then number 14 is don't waver. When he comes, don't waver. When you when, when, when fear try to start throwing stuff in front of your face, don't waver. James 1, 6 says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. We got to ask in faith. We can't doubt. I love that scripture and that story of the man. And he was like, Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. Some of us need to repent right now. And we need to ask God to forgive us for our unbelief. Because really, that's why we don't be trusting in God all the way. Because we, we be doubting that he going to come through like he said he would. We be doubting that what he did back then, he can do today. We be really doubting that he's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. We really don't believe that like we say we do. So when things start turning up on us, we're like, oh, we start waving. It says we start wavering. And it says that those who doubt is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the winds. So, I just wanted to give you all those 14 keys. If you found yourself in one of these instances where it's like, no, you really ain't been depending on God like you thought you was. You really have had some areas in your life where you've been relying on yourself. You've been relying on somebody to provide for a need. You've been expecting somebody to come and meet your need. You've been expecting, like, God can send somebody to meet your need, but did you seek him for the need? Did you seek him as the need? We have to repent. 
So I just want to invite y'all to repentance. I want to invite y'all to try trusting the Lord again. I want to invite y'all to leaning not on your own understanding, but acknowledging him in all of your ways and allowing him to direct their paths. So when we're talking about the 14 keys to trusting in God, this is an invitation, right? I, I was reading the scripture today and it was literally saying, Judgment. A lot of times we think judgment is like condemnation. Oh, nobody can judge me. And it literally was saying in the scripture that judgment was literally an invitation to repent and to receive God's mercy. This is an invitation to repent and receive God's mercy and get it right again, to trust in him again. So I hope this blessed you all. I pray this really, really helped it. It literally exposed like it did for Hezekiah. Like it literally began to show you like, oh, this is my heart. This is, this is really what's in my heart. And so it started exposing those heart issues. And then now you're able to deal with those things and use these 14 keys daily. Why? So that you can be safe. Why? So that you can receive the blessing that comes with trusting in the Lord. Why? So you can just know him more outside of what you could receive, outside of what he's going to do, outside of all of that. You put your trust in God because he is faithful, because he is good, because he is God. Amen. Amen. So thank you all for joining me today. Today, and I look forward to seeing you all in the next podcast. Bye. Thanks for joining me this week on the Girl Get Your Voice Back podcast. If you're interested in learning more about overcoming condemnation and silent shame, be sure to check out my website at www.ebonydjames.com and purchase my book Silent Shame: The Master's Keys to Overcoming Condemnation to Receiving Healing and restoration. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating. 